Yeah, so let's go ahead and jump in. Uh, I want to pray and jump right into the teaching tonight, um, if that's all right with y'all. Um, let's pray. Father, we just ask right now, in the name of Jesus, that you would send the helper to help us tonight. Help us to understand your word, help us to understand the subject, God, that you're speaking on tonight. Lord, we pray you to open our hearts and our minds, God, and our ears. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see, a mind to comprehend, and a heart to receive what the Spirit says tonight. Spirit of wisdom and revelation, reveal the knowledge of Jesus. In your precious Son's name we pray, amen. Amen. Oh, man. So tonight, you know, as you guys know, we we were on the topic of essential doctrines. We went through the essential doctrines of Christianity, our foundational elementary um, principle doctrine. Sorry, we went through elementary doctrines, not essential. We're on essential now. Went through elementary doctrines, uh, and those are all uploaded now on our podcast. You can find them at Encounter1078.com forward slash podcast. If you haven't heard those, want to go back and read them. You know, again, the author of Hebrews said we can't go on to maturity until we have these things locked in and and we're able to even teach these truths to others. And then at that point, we begin to mature. Uh, That's what the Bible says. And so we wanted to cover those, go in depth on them. And so those are available on the podcast. And now we're rolling into essential doctrines, which are obviously essential. They're key components of Christianity, but not necessarily the elementary or beginning things. We're beginning to move on into more essential doctrines, uh, beliefs, teachings, theology, the way we believe and think about God, or at least the Bible um, tells us to. And again, we have been trying to do our best, as we always do, to steer clear of opinions and just stick to the Bible and the Word of God and read it as it is, literal, and take it in the context both culturally, and um, we teach often here that you must read the Bible and understand the Bible in the context of the whole Bible. We don't pick out verses and create doctrines. Everything is backed from Genesis to Revelations, and it's revealed. We talked a little bit on Sunday how the old covenant is Christ concealed, and the new covenant is Christ revealed, the New Testament's. Um, and so we want to really look at all of it um, that God has been leading us to now at the end of the age for the mystery in God, Christ in us, the hope of glory is now revealed. And so we want to really dive in. And so we did the last teaching we did on a Wednesday night in essential doctrines was on communion and the Lord's Supper. And we talked about how it is not just something that's done simply as a memorial, but the Bible says and portrays it as the literal body and blood of Jesus Christ. And there is a mystical union that takes place between us and the Lord when we receive communion. And so I highly encourage you, again, that one's out on um, podcast now. If you haven't heard it, go listen to that. I really bring it. will be life. Man, I've been getting, I don't know about y'all, I've been taking communion in the secret place too, and I'm just getting wrecked every time I begin. Now that I have the revelation of really what it is. I've just been getting touched and blessed when I receive it. Um, So tonight, we're going to be moving on to the essential doctrine, the essential doctrine of the church, the essential doctrine of the church. And so we're going to talk about uh, the ecclesia, the body of Christ may end up being two parts. We'll see. Um, Tonight, I really feel like the Holy Spirit is highlighting 
uh, just a specific aspect of that. And so our key scriptures in this teaching are going to be found first and foremost in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. I'm going to give you two key scriptures for this essential doctrine, and then I'm going to give you a ton of more scripture. But these are really tonight the main point we want to bring home uh, that I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking are going to be found in these two key scriptures. Again, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. It says this, um, But if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God. Listen to this. The pillar and ground of truth. The pillar and ground of truth. The next key scripture I want to give you uh, is found in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, and it's Jesus speaking. He says, I tell you, you are Peter or the rock, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will build my church on this rock, speaking to the revelation that Jesus is Messiah in the gates of hell will not prevail. And then 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. But if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. Now, there are very many doctrines out there about the church right now. There's a whole lot of truths that are truths, but they've been taken and a pendulum swing happens. And we, we talk a lot about this in these series of elementary and essential doctrines on how things pendulums swing. We'll, we'll be one way for one, a while and then a truth will be revealed and we swing way away from that way into another way. Does that make sense? And we go from one extreme to the other when the real biblical truth is typically somewhere in the middle, you know? And so it's like, it's salvation. It's Christ alone, the work of the spirit, right? But then we could pendulum swing way over into sloppy grace, which is I just do whatever I want to do. And I have no part in yielding to the Lord and, you know, uh, well, well, if God wants me to, he'll just do it in me, which is true, but we must, he, he's not a puppet master. So it's relationship. We must yield to it. Right. But you know, you can pendulum swing either way. You can get into sloppy agape. They call it sloppy love, you know, or you can get into legalism and be like, no brother, it's the letter of the law. You must obey every part. You know, next thing you know, we're running around checking people. Are you circumcised brother? Have you been this, been that? You think I'm kidding. It happened in Paul's day. Um, you know, they tried to, to pull this. They put on again the yoke of bondage, the law, and people will try to enforce the law in the churches. So we don't want a pendulum swing. And one of the truths out there with that has unfortunately pendulum swing is that we are the church, meaning I'm this individual person and the church, which is a truth. I am, you are, if you are born again, the very temple of the Holy Spirit. This is the this is truth. This is a truth. But unfortunately, what ends up happening is then that's taken out of context or that truth pendulum swings and it goes, I don't need the corporate gathering of the church. I don't need to belong to one single body, one single church, one local church. I am the church and me and Jesus, we can have church at my house. And that thing starts getting out of hand. Can we have church at our house? Yes, we can. But I want to prove to you 
through this teaching that is an essential doctrine to be a part of a governing body of Christ in the earth. It is essential. It's the way Jesus designed it. And the way he said it, it is what is decent and in order by God. How many of you know sometimes what's decent and in order by God can look out of order to man? Sometimes we take that scripture out of context and we see people flopping like fish and we're like, they're out of order. No, God's doing it. And in God's order, they're flopping like fish on the ground. And we need to come up underneath what God is doing in the moment and say amen to it. Amen. So again, we don't want a pendulum swing. And so unfortunately, this has happened. Can me, Jim, and Rita gather at my house and have church? Yes, we can. But the Bible still states very clearly that we should submit our lives to leaders, we should submit our lives one to another, and that we should belong to a healthy local church in order to serve and grow in Christ. And I'm going to prove that to you again. Right here in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, listen to this. But if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God. Well, somebody, again, who is emphasizing this we are the individual church doctrine, they would say, well, Paul's telling you how to conduct yourself in your own flesh. And in your own body. Can it be spun that way? Sure, absolutely. Can it be applied that way? Absolutely. But we see when we take this in the context of all of Scripture, we take it in the context that Jesus said to 12 men, come follow me and begin to establish the church on the earth where there were 12 followers and Jesus being the head leading them, then empowering them to lead, and then they ended up leading. And we see throughout church history, after Christ ascends, the Holy Spirit comes, and they all begin to dwell together and live together, submitting themselves to the apostles' doctrine and meeting the needs of one to another. And when issues arose in their life, they went to the local body, to that gathered people, to those leaders, the Spirit of God was upon, who grace was upon, and they sought wisdom and counsel from them. They didn't go to the courts. They didn't go and settle issues on their own. They didn't sue one another. They went to the elders of the church, and they were submitting their lives to that governing authority that Christ has issued on the church. You'll find this in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 through 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 through 7. We're not going to go there tonight, but I encourage you to go read those three chapters together. He sets in the order of conduct of the church in that book as well. And I encourage you to go read that book and read those three chapters especially as one thing because it's all one thought. He's dealing with it. He's telling you how to deal with it. In chapter 6 specifically Paul goes on to say do not take one another to the courts. Is there no one among you wise enough to, not, to judge an issue or a matter between believers? Which means what? Which means that if Amy and Jim got an issue that they can't resolve between each other, they should not go down to the courthouse, file a civil suit, and let a possibly pagan judge rule and judge their matter. Instead, they should go to the elders of the church and bring that matter before them and allow them to speak to it according to the word of God and then submit to that judgment. This is what he says. And you can't do that if it's just you and Jesus got your own thing going. You can't do that sitting at home saying, I'm having a church. That, that you're literally robbing yourself of the benefit of the household faith. You're robbing yourself of what Jesus gave you, his church. You're robbing yourself of the very thing Jesus said he himself is building. 
Listen to this. That you ought to conduct yourself. So there's a manner in the house of God. In the house of God. Now we see from Genesis all the way to Revelation is that God, yes, his dwelling is now in people and not in a building. But still, the gathered people is the house of God. I said the gathered people together is the house of God. And there is a way to conduct ourselves in the house of the Lord. And then he says this, it's the church, and we're going to look at that word church in a moment. It's the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. The pillar and the ground of truth. Meaning this church, this gathered people, gathered sons and daughters, if you will, this thing that Jesus is building, Literally in the earth is the pillar that holds up truth in the earth. It's literally the ground in which truth is planted and sprouted up. This is the importance of the church of Jesus Christ. Let's look at this word ecclesia. We're going to again jump back. I'm going to go uh, into the Greek in First Corinthians chapter three, verse. Uh, sorry, First Timothy chapter three, verse fifteen. In that word church, it's ecclesia. It's an assembly, a religious congregation, an assembly, a congregation, a church, the church, the whole body of Christian believers. It means this, eek, eek, coming out of the Greek, eek, out, from, and to. Do you see that? It means to be called out of and to something. God has called you out from the world, and he has called you to one another. God has called you out from the world, and he's called you to one another and himself. Listen to this. Kaleo, to call. So again, properly, people called out from the world and to God, the outcome being the church. Listen to this. I love the supernatural. The mystical body of Christ. Do you understand that? You and I, the gathered church, are the mystical body of Christ. Meaning Christ the head gives the direction and the body performs it. You see? God himself, Christ himself, the head of the church, as the Bible says, gives the instruction in who performs the work in the earth. God through his body. So this... Again, it's also the universal, the total body of believers whom God calls out from the world and into his eternal kingdom. The English word church comes from the Greek word krakiosis, belonging to the Lord. I probably ruined the phrase of that. But ecclesia, church, is the root of the terms ecclesiology and ecclesiastical. Again, it's an assembly, a religious congregation. Among the Greeks, it was an assembly of people convened at the public place of council for the purpose of deliberating. You'll see this purpose. I want to give you several purposes tonight of the church. And unfortunately, what people do is they grab one definition and go, well, this is what the church is meant to be. But there's multifaceted understandings and definitions in this word. And I believe Christ intentionally used it because he meant for them all. So say, well, we're supposed to be, some people will take this word and say, well, we're supposed to be the governing body in the earth. We're supposed to govern the, the, the things of the earth. But see, 
God's kingdom is not one currently of flesh and blood. God's kingdom is one of spirit. God's kingdom is what rules and reigns in the conscience and the hearts of men. This is God's current kingdom in the spirit realm. The day is coming when the sky will split and the nations of this world will become the nations of our God. When he comes back and takes them, and then at that point, this will take place, and we will rule and reign and judge in the earth with Christ. It's in the book of Revelation. This will come to pass, but currently it's not so. We govern inside of the kingdom of God. We govern inside of the church. The gathered ecclesia comes together to do what I just told you about debating issues. Say Amy and Jim had an issue, a problem with each other. We would then come together and, and judge that matter. You'll see this take place in the book of Acts, all right? Whenever the early church began to be formed, whenever the Gentiles began to come to Christ, and the Jews tried to lay the law on the Gentiles, right? You must be circumcised. You must do this. You must do that. Uh, they really tried, religious spirit really tried to enter into the church. And Paul's like, no way. But Paul doesn't go and do it out on himself. Even though, listen, Paul is called the apostle to the Gentiles. Jesus met Jesus Christ himself on the road of Damascus and received his call. He didn't hear a sermon, man. The sermon Jesus, the sermon himself, showed up and Paul got saved, right? And then a man comes, lays his hands on him, and scales fall off his eyes. That's his conversion story. Man, what a conversion story. This Paul, man, wrote... A third of our New Testament, right? Or two-thirds, however much it is, of our New Testament. Okay, he writes a ton of it, entrusted with this thing. He doesn't make the decision on his own. He actually goes to Jerusalem, presents the issue to the ecclesia, the church, the governing body, the other apostles, the other elders in the church. Not just the apostles, but also the elders. And they all gather together, and they deliberate, and they talk, and they pray, and they seek from the Holy Spirit. And then the Bible says that then stood up, right, and spoke out amongst them and says, I, I believe that it seems good to us and the Holy Spirit, and he says this, abstain from food offered to idols, abstain from food with blood in it. By the way, this does not mean medium rare steak. I just want to clarify that, okay, because it doesn't, and I like my steak medium rare because this is immune. So just if you see me eating a medium rare steak, the blood has been drained from the cow. Way during the slaughtering. This is talking about walking up to an animal that just died and taking a bite out of it with the blood still in it, not being drained. And so they, they would do this. It was a pagan practice. It's abstain from it, right? Abstain from food offered to idols. Abstain from food with the blood in it. And abstain from eating animals that have been choked. Very interesting. And then he says this, and abstain from sexual immorality. If you do these things, you'll do well. And that word sexual immorality in this context meant to have multiple sexual partners at one time. That's the context of that as well, is to go out and to just, just be willy-nilly sleeping with anybody. That's what it says. It says, if you'll do these four things right here, you'll do well. That was the issue from the decree from the governing body in the earth over the church at the time. And this is what we're called to as well amongst our own lives, is that when issues come up in our own lives, and maybe they're quote-unquote gray areas, you see, Maybe they're quote-unquote gray areas where um, it's not specifically clear in the Bible, where it's like, don't smoke weed. You know, it just doesn't say that in there. 
So what do we do? We come together, we gather around, and we talk and deliberate this thing. Well, it's now made legal. It's this is that the Bible does mention, you know, having a glass of wine or this or that. Like, what? how do we do it? And then we come together by the power of the Holy Spirit and we make a judgment together. This is God's intent and purpose for the church. You are not meant to just follow the Lord on your own. Can you and does he teach you on your own? Absolutely. But it is a benefit to each one of us to have each other. Does that make sense? Because there are expressions of Christ in each one of us. To each has been given a gift, right? Corinthians. And then Ephesians says, God has given apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. God gives us elders and deacons to serve the body, to lead and to guide the shepherd. Amen? We need one another. There's things in gym I need in my life. I want to excel and mature in the way in which God intended to use out of my life. Does that make sense? Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Is this good? Come on. All right. Another one. Often, it often is the equivalent to the assembly of the Israelites. It's often the equivalent of the assemblies of the Israelites. Meaning what? Again, you need the whole Bible to understand the whole Bible. Do you understand that the Israelites were not a race of people? They were a religion. Do you understand that? They were God's people. You had white, black, red, brown, every color under the sun, Israelite. Did you know that? You could become an Israelite. You had to go through all these different rites. And, matter of fact, you can actually, to this day, like go and become a, a Orthodox Jew. Did you know you can go and convert now? Yeah, you do have to deny Jesus. <laughs> Happened to Ivanka Trump, if you don't believe me. She had to, uh, from what I understand, renounce Christ to marry her husband. Uh, Christian. But anyway, I don't know if you knew that. But yeah, pretty interesting. <laughs> we won't go down that road tonight. There's a teaching on Revelations on the podcast. If you want more on that, go check it out. Anyway, um, but especially when they're gathered sacred purpose. So we can, we can go back and we can read how God moved in and through the Israelites, how he instructed them and led them by his presence in the wilderness, the pillar of cloud by day, the pillar of fire at night. And we can see how God desires to lead his people now. By his person, his presence. In his spoken voice out of his presence. We can see how Moses met face to face with God in the glory cloud. And then goes on to say, God, when the people question him about it, he says, well, God would that all his, his servants were prophets. And then we can go over to Joel, who I feel the Holy Spirit. We can go over to Joel and we can read where it says, in the last days, says God, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. And then we'll see where Paul says, all can prophesy. And we'll see where the very thing Moses spoke about God desiring all his people to be prophets is fulfilled in Christ. And hey, guess what? We all get to go every morning and meet with the cloud and hear the voice of God and come out and repeat it. Every one of us. Man. And we get to see, wow, that means I'm the church. I get to do that. I get to be the mouthpiece of God in the earth. I get to be the representative of God in the earth as the Israelites were. I get to go take territory for God. Just like the Israelites do. I kick the devils and demons out of the land. By the power of God. He goes before me and chases them all away. Just like the Israelites. Amen. 
Another one is a gathering or a throng of men assembled by chance, an assembly of Christians gathered for worship. So that is one of the definitions of the word ecclesia. Is this what we're doing right now? We are being the church. It's part of it. It's not either or, it's both and. Does that make sense? Unfortunately, again, people will grab one and be like, it's this. But it's really the full encompassing thing in the earth. A company of Christians. That's another one. So again, uh, I'm going to jump over here. I'm going to give you a quote from Pastor Theo. It's so funny because I was going to teach this tonight and then he shared this today. I was like, come on, Jesus. But from Pastor Theo Colonis, he says, Ecclesia means to congregate or gather together with those who have been called out by God. Again, it's called out from the world, called to God and each other. That's what it, it, it means to be a called out one. I have learned, this is him speaking, that God does not just call you out. But he calls you out to gather together. If all who were called out remain isolated and not gathering together, we will not have the church and the church will not be produced. I have learned that after you are born again, there is a basic need to come together with other children of God. I repent, he was saying, for the many years of rationalizing that I don't need the corporate church. Christianity is not built on just individuals, but also on the assembling together. I encourage any of you, if that landed with you, just repent real quick and it'll be all right. Listen, the gifts from God in the body, this is him speaking, and the gifts of the spirit within the church function in the corporate setting. This is the New Testament. And listen, this is confirmed all throughout the Bible. You just start reading it. Paul, it's, it's like they never, in any of their letters, in their mind, they never even fathom somebody would say, I don't need to be a part of a local corporate church. Read the letters. They're never written that way. It does not even come across their mind. Actually, the only time it really addresses it, which we'll read again later probably, is in Hebrews when it says, hey, do not neglect the gathering together of yourselves like some do. But even more so as you see the day approaching. Meaning what? We're, some, we're commanded to be gathering together more frequently now as we're closer to Christ's coming than the early church was and they gathered every day. Think about that. Just think about that. And some of us, like, we're missing Sundays. We're not even coming. You know, church is open Tuesday, Wednesday. I'm not saying that in a condemning way. I'm just being biblical. Amen? I'm just presenting that in a biblical manner. He, Paul is like, it's necessary. I mean, I don't know. How many of you right here, right now, could be honest, could be honest, and love to see a show of hands if, if you feel transparent enough. Be honest. Be honest. You went through a season where, you know, you missed out on corporate gatherings and did go whatever, this or that, and all of a sudden you got blue. You started getting stabbed. You started getting, but the second you went back in church, somebody had an encouraging word for you and uplifted you. And I mean, come on, hands all over the building. Come on, man. And you walk in, it's like you walk in and Miss Bonnie, she was already up in your mail the, the more, this morning. And you walk in and she comes over and beelines for you, lays in and, and reads your mail. And he says, Proph prophecy comes and encourages and equips. And oh, you ain't getting that sitting at home by yourself. Sure, can God send an angel? Yes, he can. But guess what? He designed it in the way he sent Miss Bonnie. You understand? That's the way God designed it. He built his church. What does the potter have to say? To the one who formed him, huh? What 
does or sorry, what does the pot have to say to the potter who formed him? What does the clay have to say to the potter in the way in which he made him to be used? Christ said, I will build my church. And Paul says, I wrote to you in the way in which it's to be done. The letters show you the way in which God intended it. Man, we need to. I need to give the prophecy in this Bible. Listen, you better believe you need that woman on her face interceding for you. There's battles I don't even fight because she prays. I'm serious, man. You don't realize there's people in this room that pray for you, these elders, these leaders. They pray for you, and there's things that you don't even deal with because of that. Because you belong to a body. It's just the truth. There's people that, that come to this church, listen, they would be homeless at this point because they couldn't pay their bills. But guess what? God put it on somebody's heart to sow, and they got their need met through the body of Christ. Listen, this happened one time. Uh, I'm not going to tell you who, but somebody came to me, and they, they had an issue, and they were just not coming. They weren't coming to ask us for money. They didn't even know we did that. They were coming just to ask for counsel on what to do. And they said this, I'm going to go to one of my coworkers and take a loan now. And I said, no, you're not. You are not going to go. The Bible says this, that the borrower is slave to the lender. You're not going to go to a pagan. Somebody, he's talking about, I'm going to go to an unbelieving co-worker and get a loan. No, you are not going to go to an unbelieving person and get a loan and come under bondage to that person. I don't think so. So what do we do? We present the need to the body of Christ and it got met. Because that's what we're meant to do as the household of faith. Amen. Do good to all men, but especially those of the household of faith. That's what the Bible says. Right? I have here. I wrote this, my, my definition here, of the gathered church. Ready? The gathered church is the ground in which the seeds of God's truth being implanted and watered by the Spirit sprout up, revealing themselves as fruit in the lives of sons and daughters. This is, is my definition of the gathered church out of the context of 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. I'm going to read it again, and then I want to read the definition again. Listen. But if I'm delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself. It's called the house of God. Another translation puts it this way. The household of faith. The home. The house. The family of faith. Right? Which is the church of the living God the pillar and ground of truth. I have here again, the gathered church is the ground in which the seeds of God's truth being implanted and watered by the spirit sprout up, revealing themselves as fruit in the lives of sons and daughters. Listen, I can't tell you testimony upon testimony beyond just prophecy taking place and people reading your mail or praying for you or this or that. How many people come in and sit and just the preaching of the word, you have questions in your mind you need answered. And just because somebody grabbed this microphone under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and began to preach a word, those questions that you were praying along with God get answered. I can't tell you how many people come up and say, listen, man, you have no idea. You were all up in my prayer conversation this morning with God. Because God set it up this way, man. He set it up this way. Again, we see it. We, we need leaders, man. We see it in with the Israelites. We see them going to Moses. We see Moses, what? Judging matters, remember? And then his father-in-law says, what? Hey, this is too much for you. And point other men, lay your hands on them, that they may judge these matters. Now, we need it. So it's the questions of, in the Bible. And 
questions we need answered in life, and we come into church, and oh my gosh, it just so happens to be the subject matter being preached that day. Just so happens. Oh, or maybe the God of the universe, the creator of all heaven and all earth, set it up to be this way. Maybe he's just that wise. Well, because he's wisdom himself. Huh? You know, he's wise, man. It brings you back to the altar. How many of you have ever come in here busted, broken, and hurting? And man, Amy and Decker get up and a string on that instrument just, just cling and the anointing flows out and all your sorrow turns to joy. Huh? Or they just start singing that song. Years ago, you encountered God through and it takes you right back to that moment and sets you free. That is the gathered church, man. That is the spoken word of truth. Or there's some of you that have been living in deception, living in sin, and the devil keeps entrapping you and pulling you away, and whoever gets up in the microphone literally describes it to the T, and you get broken and set, broken free and set, set free in that moment. And I think it's broke off you by the anointing. How many of you that's happened? Happened to me? I don't know how many times. Why? Because God set it up this way. He set up, yes, it's, we are the church. Uh, I was just with Tim uh, on Tuesday, and we were, we were out at, uh, no, 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 it was, it was yesterday, it was yesterday, yesterday, and, and this guy's there, and we're just talking, and the guy's like, oh, we had to move something, this, this, this worker, we had to move something, and he's like, um, man, I hurt my back, you know, I got sciatic nerve, whatever, it's hurting me, can't do anything, and I'm going, okay, and the Holy Spirit goes, you'll pray for him. And so I, I was healed. If you don't know, I was healed. L5, S1, herniated disc. They, they wanted to fuse my spine when I was 27. I was bedridden for a year. And then literally I came into the church, uh, the household of faith, the church of the living God, the pillar of the ground of truth. And the pastor came over and said, how are you doing? I told him, and he said, well, Lord, touch him again. Touch me like that. Turn around, walk away. The power of God hit me and I was healed, completely healed in the church. Okay. Praise God. Now, because of that encounter, I have faith for that. So here I am standing in Pennsylvania in the middle of this Dollar General store. It's a wreck. It's a mess. I mean, this guy's MFing left and right. He's, he's now, he's, he's a sinner sin, guys. God's not afraid. I've been talking about Okay. And he's cussing, blah, 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 all this. And I just said, hey, man, can I pray for you? And he's like, yeah. So I said, come on. I grabbed his hand like this. And I said, Father, in the name of Jesus. And I just began to speak to his back. We got done. And he goes, oh, oh, man, oh. I felt that. He's like, you got the power. And I was like, he's like, that's real. And I was like, no, man, it's Jesus. He loves you. And I got to share the gospel with him, you know? But God healed him right there. Why? Because I went to church one day. And God touched me. And then I became the church and carried it with me. You understand? We are the church, man. The pillar and ground of truth. I became the pillar and ground of truth in Dollar General. Do you understand? What do I mean? I became the ground of truth that the seed that God, Jesus Christ, died and his healer could sprout up and bear forth fruit in this son. Huh? That he could taste and see that the Lord is good. We need the church, man. I'm going to give you a couple of more scriptures. Is that all right? <laughs> Come on, Jesus. Yeah, we're definitely probably going to have to do part two, but it's so good. Listen. Uh, Acts 20, verse 28, is a command uh, to the church and to the pastors. Listen, it says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. This tells me several things. 
there's caretakers and overseers appointed by God that it's God's design that Christ built it that way, that we have people who oversee parts of our lives and speak into that. Does that make any sense? We're not talking about in a controlling sense. We know that. Why do we know that? We don't need to freak out and hear the word overseer and think, oh my God, I, I, the pastor wants to control every aspect of my life or the leaders want to control every aspect of my life. No, we need to take all of Scripture in the context of all of Scripture and understand that Christ said the greatest amongst you is the least amongst you. Then Christ grabbed the towel and he kneeled down and he wiped the feet of the apostles and he said, you must do this. He sent them out. He displayed that there's no greater love than this than to lay down one's life for a friend. And we understand that it isn't something to be lorded over but to serve. And so we read that, and we don't have to live in fear. Now, are there people who have taken this scripture and did the pendulum swing, swing like we talked about earlier? And they're like, well, I'm the boss of your life because I'm the pastor, and I'm this, and I'm that. Yes, they have. And God bless their souls. May God have mercy on them. May they find repentance. Not here. It won't happen. But I'm not responsible for them. I'm responsible for me in this house set up by the Holy Spirit. And it won't happen here. Okay? But you must understand that just because you had one bad egg, doesn't mean the whole basket's rotten. Do you understand? It doesn't. Do you understand what I'm saying? Just because I had one bag bad egg doesn't mean everything in the bag has got uh, ba- basket has got rotten. You know, don't put all your eggs in one basket. You need to put all your eggs in this basket. This is the basket of Christ, man. You saying you don't need to gather church is you rejecting the body of Christ. Hmm? What? He who is one with the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. We are his mystical body on the earth. If I say I don't need you, I'm saying I don't need him. If I say I don't need you, I'm saying I don't need him. Do you understand? Mm. He obtained it with his own blood. Wow. Ephesians 2, 20 through 22. This church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, meaning all of us, being joined together, being joined, we must be, we're, how are we joined together if we're apart? Anyway, being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together in a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Yes, God dwells in you by the Spirit, but how many of you have noticed an increase in a corporate gathering? How many of you ever noticed when you gather together in one accord, man, the hope that the presence of God, the power of God begins to flow? Sure, did we see the guy get healed? Sure, yeah. Does God manifest in the individual? Absolutely, he does. It's very clear. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered uh, in my name, I'm there in their midst. Sure, absolutely. But something happens when we're joined together. And again, it's all about what? Growing up into the full manifestation of the man, Christ Jesus. Why? So that the world might see him and turn to him and he receives his reward and is glorified. Hmm. Psalms 122.1. This is the Bible giving us the heart posture that we must choose to take whether we feel like it or not because if it's in the Bible it doesn't need feelings, it needs faith. Amen? It's great when we have both. Amen? But it needs faith. Listen. A song of ascents of David, I was glad 
when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. You say, well, that was old covenant, brother. Actually, uh, again, when we read the whole Bible in the context of the whole Bible and we jump right back over to first Corinthians chapter three, verse 15, it says in the house of God, new Testament, new covenant. Huh? Man, I love the whole Bible reveals everything in it. And it just, it builds up and adds line upon line, precept upon precept. Love it, man. Let us, uh, listen, I was glad. Not, oh, I don't really want to. I'm so weary. Oh, I got to go to church today. Listen, the problem ain't your feeling. The problem is your revelation. You don't have a revelation. Christ said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Hell's prevailing against you when you're submitting to God and going into what God has spoken and commanded and destined and put in order. He'll make the crooked paths straight. He comes and does it himself. And part of the way he does it is right here in these kind of gatherings. It does, man. You want the hell not prevailing against you? Get yourself planted deep in a community. Why? Because when you start to get led astray or those sins that so easily ensnare you, start to ensnare you, you'll have a misfire call you up like, I was up all night. Gina called you saying, I couldn't sleep all week. I was interceding all night. What have you been doing? <laughs> oh, be sure, brother. Your sin will find you out. Huh, that thing which is done in darkness will be brought into light. The Bible says, walk in the light. We are children of the light. Walk in transparency. And listen, the real church of Jesus Christ, you ain't got to hide your sin because they have a revelation that the second the blood is applied, it's no more. And so when you come to me and say, I messed up, I'm saying, shame on you. I point you to Jesus. And I say, it's okay, let's go back to his feet. It's okay, let me take you by the arm and walk with you this time. And next time the tempter comes, you won't be faced. Uh, you won't be facing him alone. I'll be standing right there and we'll be rebuking him by the power of the Holy Spirit together. Yeah. Amen? Amen? And when I am weak, Christ is strong. How many of you know often when I am weak, Christ is strong through my brothers and sisters? Stop separating the two. God himself doesn't separate the two. Actually, he compares it. You separate the two as you separate husband and wife. He says it right there. He says it's literally the husband and wife is as the mystery of Christ in his church. As Christ is the head, so the husband the head of the wife. He said this same example is the same here. So why are we constantly separate? Well, I got my relationship with Jesus, but I don't need the relationship with his church. I like Jesus, but I don't know about his body. Go ahead and tell that to your spouse. Huh. I like your personality, but your body ain't doing much for me. Mm. Your body is you. Hmm? Well, sorry. Mm. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 through 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Listen, how do we Stir up love and good works. This is the question that he answers. Have you noticed when you read the Bible, that's a lot of times how God speaks. He asks you a question and then he gives you the answer to it. He makes you go, hmm, how? Oh, let me see. Oh, God, you answered it for me. Listen, 
And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging. That word encouraging is the same word used when you look up the Greek for prophecy. It's encouraged prophetically, right? But encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. It is love and good works to come and do what you're doing right now. You're literally loving one another and doing good works unto God when we gather together and be used by the Holy Spirit. And some of you are like, well, I didn't have the microphone. But you're like, well, what does that have to do with anything? Huh? Just a, you have no idea the conversations, how spiritual just the body of Christ talking with each other is. You say things and you don't even realize how you're ministering to people's hearts. It happens all the time. You say things and you think it's just you, but a lot of times it's anointed. It has the presence on it. it it's so impactful to people. It'll change their lives. Listen, we had, uh, I mean, uh, yeah, I'm not going to go there right now. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 5. So we, though many, are one. Can we read that together? You ready? So we, though many, are one. Body in Christ and individually members one of another. Individuals. And this doesn't just mean the people that you like. Huh? There's sandpaper people, right? You need them too. You need them too. Huh? You need them too. There's a river that smooth your rough edges. Huh? Hallelujah. Colossians 3.16 Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. How? Through teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Sounds awful lot like a church service, doesn't it? I literally just listed off what we do in church. Again, these authors, the apostles and prophets in which this church is built upon, their teachings, it's not even in their mind that we're not going to gather together. It's not even in their mind that you're not going to have some type of leader or some kind of shepherd or, or one another. It's not even in their mind. Do you see that? Let the word of God Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Wisdom comes from God, right? All true wisdom comes from God. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts. To God. First <laughs> Corinthians three seventeen. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Hmm. Ephesians one twenty two. Speaking of God, put all things under His feet. Speaking of Christ, and gave Him as head over all things to the church. Romans 16, 17, I appeal to you, brothers, watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that have you been taught to, and you've been taught, avoid them. What that doesn't mean is avoid the church. 
So I have, I'm going to go here. Um, and then I'm going to probably, I'm going to read one more scripture. And then I'm going to go there. And then I'll land it. Actually, can I read two? One, two, three, four. Yeah. All right, ready? So then, this is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 through 22. So then, you are no longer strangers. And don't you love the word of God? Is it okay that I give you Bible? Is it okay that we have a sermon and there's like 20 or 50 scriptures? Is that okay? All right. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints. And here it is again. Members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Have you ever been to a construction site? Yes. It ain't clean until it's all constructed. We just went to a remodeling place. I was with them. Went to a re- they were remodeling a store. Disgusting. Everything's in disarray. It was a hot mess. I mean, shell stuff everywhere. There's, there's this guy's working on the lights. We're working on the windows. This guy's doing this. This guy's doing that. And I'm like, whoa, this is a hot mess. How many of you know God's still building us? Amen. And sometimes this thing looks messy. Go to any construction site. And don't tell me you people don't get hurt on the construction site. Huh? I was weeding one time in a, in a drainage ditch next to a construction site. Picked up a nail that shot through my leg. And I had to go have surgery to get it removed. It went so far up my leg. Don't tell me you don't get hurt when the stuff's getting built. People drop nails. You step on them. You get cut. You have better have your tetanus shot. You know, all that stuff, man, on a construction site. And the Bible says we're being built up as the holy place. And Paul says we'll be gathering together, having apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, teaching us to do the work of ministry and equipping us until we're all built up and formed in the very image of Christ. And I found one church that's the perfect reflection of Christ in the earth yet, which means we're still under construction, which means things are still messy, and sometimes people are going to get hurt. People fall off ladders, they break their, their tailbone, all this, I hope, will happen to him. Break their ankle. It happens, man. And it happens in church. And so what, let me ask you this, though. Just because one person got hurt on the job site, does the job end and you shut the construction down? No. If you got hurt on the job site, you might have to go get healed for a moment, but you're still coming back to work. Ain't you? Yes, sir. Yep. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. And if you tell them you won't, typically your workers' comp insurance won't cover you anymore. Yeah. You go and tell them I'm never coming back. We won't go there. Yeah. Let's go there. Turn to the book of Revelations real quick. Chapter 2. I'm going to just read. Actually, we're going to go. Revelations chapter 2. Revelations chapter. Let's go to chapter 2. Yeah. Yeah, we'll go chapter two. Uh, 
pick one. Here we go. Uh, verse 18, chapter 2, verse 18. And to the angel of the church of Thyatira. Somebody say, the church of Thyatira. Now, Jesus begins these letters through the hand of the apostle John as saying, these are seven lampstands before me, the seven churches in which I walk amongst. Uh, we talked about on Sunday how this is a picture of the spirit realm. This is not just in heaven. It's not always, it's a spirit realm. Why? Because Jesus comes and walks through his church by what? His manifest presence on the earth. I've heard it say about the Holy Spirit that he is Jesus unleashed or unhindered. It's the Holy Spirit manifests Christ in multiple churches throughout the earth. Amen. If they're his church, they'll be present. If there's no presence, not his church. That's according to Jesus. He says this, if you don't repent, I'll remove your lampstand from before me, meaning what? You won't be my church anymore. But right now, he's writing letters to what? His churches, right? They're his churches. That's very important to understand. Listen, to the angel of the church in Thyatira, these things says the son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet like fine brass. I know your works. Your love, your service, your faith, and in your patience. And as for your works, they are, the last are more than the first. So he says straight out of the gate, listen, man, you work hard for me. You preach the gospel. You're probably, they're probably loving orphans and widows, which is true religion. They're loving one another. They're helping each other out. They've got patience. And they, again, they're doing more work now than they did at the beginning. So they didn't like backslide or get lazy. He says, nevertheless, I have a few things against you. You allow that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of their deeds. I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts. And I will give to each one of you according to your works. Now to you I say, and to the rest of you in Thyatira, as many as uh, as do not have this doctrine, which have uh, we who have not known the depths of Satan, as they say, I will put on you no other burden, but hold fast. Somebody say, hold fast. What you have till I come, and he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessel. And I also have received from my father, and I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So it's saying it to a church. Now, who's this church? Never once does it say pack up and go plant another church. Never once does it say, hey, you can go ahead and move it on down the, the street. He actually says, hold fast to what you have. I'll deal with them. I'll deal with her. I'll deal with the sin. I'll deal with it myself. Don't, but you hold fast to what you have. Don't give up. Lock in. And so what has happened is, and nowadays, is we, the church, have stopped doing that one part that we mentioned in the Ecclesia of, of making judgment. That's what we've done. We, we, we've stopped coming together and having counsel. And what we've done 
is we sweep things under the rug or we disappear without a word. Notice, which is 100% void relationship at all. And we all know that this relationship with Christ is that very thing, a relationship. Which means also, if I'm his body and you're his body, what is it? It's a relationship. I literally, personally, and I'm not going to call them out my name, and I'm not offended, I'm healed. But I want to point out the error. I've done it as well, actually, in my own life. So I'm not casting stones. But as you grow in, in Christ, your understanding grows, and you repent, right? You don't want to do things anymore. And so we're, we're not excusing it, but we're also not condemning it, okay? We're just speaking truth. This is the pillar and ground of truth. So let's present truth, right? I've literally had people leave the church and never even have a conversation with any of the leaders at all. Never even let them know they're going. Don't need don't need to let nobody know where I'm going. I'm out. See ya. See ya. That is a spit in the face. Not just to not just to the leaders, but to the power and anointing and the flow and work of the Holy Spirit that has flowed through a body and a people of God in impacting others. These some of these same people came in demon possessed and the demons left. Some of these same people came in bound to addiction and were free. Some of these same people came in broken, depressed, couldn't sleep at night, got the power of God, hit them, radically changed their life. Some of these people came in going, oh my gosh, the presence of God is here. Oh my gosh, this is everything we've been looking for. And then the second something gets messy or off, they're gone. And Jesus is sitting here talking about a church that has Jezebel herself, like might as well be Jezebel incarnate, teaching in the church, literally seducing people and sleeping with multiple people and leading them into pagan practices. And he's not like, oh yeah, you can just go ahead and leave. He says, hold fast what you have. Hold fast what you have. Man, that right there, when I caught that revelation reading this, Mess me up because I have got offended and left churches. I have got offended and left. When when God doesn't call us to get offended to leave, He calls us to be the ecclesia. He calls us to gather and talk it out and allow the Holy Spirit to speak. And I've watched God do this in this house. Praise God. There are people in this room who have been mad, questioned, prodded, all that, and they responded in a biblical manner. They went and sought God. They went and sought the Lord and heard counsel from the Lord. Why? Because he said it right here. I'm the one who searches hearts and minds. I'm the one who searches hearts and minds. It's literally, the Lord's like, I, you have, they have no idea that the Lord was giving this woman time to repent. Do you see? He was giving her time to repent. <laughs> I'm the one that searches hearts and minds. I know what's too far and too here and too there and too I, it's my house. It's my church, says the Lord. And so again, it just it's become so commonplace because in America there's a different church on every corner. There just is. Okay, there just is. And I'm not saying that God won't lead you somewhere else with as many churches as there are. I'm not saying God won't. I believe God does call people and send people. He called Paul and Barnabas to leave where they were at. You know how? Through prayer and fasting and the Holy Spirit spoke and then they were sent. How come Jesus is Lord of our life until it gets uncomfortable? Huh? How come Jesus led us to a church, right? Knowing that it would have issues because every, I got news for you. Go back and read all the letters 
every one of them church had issues. They were all different. Yeah, you did real good, but uh, that's just it's it's all over that. Now I'm not saying you know if they get up and they start saying Jesus is in the Messiah, it's time to go. You know we're not hanging on a church or the presence is in there. You're no longer a church of Jesus. We're talking about that. We're talking about presence is coming. The gospel's being preached. People are being saved. People are being baptized. Demons are coming out. Bodies are being healed. Signs and wonders, like verify all the things that God says to look for are there, right? The Bible says what then? We gather together and we debate, not really debate, but deliberate, and what respond by the Spirit. That's what we've been called to do. So it's the same thing if, say, you know, you get any issue comes up. Somebody in a leadership position starts getting drunk. Somebody starts doing this. Somebody starts doing that. You don't tell, well, I heard through the grapevine that so-and-so has been drinking, but I haven't seen them drink myself. But I heard through the grapevine so-and-so is getting drunk at the bar, and they're doing this, and they're doing that. And so, you know, I'm really scared because, you know, so-and-so preaches sometimes, or so-and-so leads worship sometimes, and I just don't want that flowing into my life, and I just don't want that ickiness on me, so, you know, I need to go. Like, hold up a second. Because you got some ickiness in you too, bro. Like, let me let me let me know about your gossip conversations that you have, that you call prayer meetings, that you pick up on the phone and you call so and so and said, "Hey, I'm so worried about so and so. We just need to pray about them. And, uh, we just need to pray for them." And then they dump their 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 dirty laundry out and call it a prayer meeting. And you pray for five minutes and gossip about them for an hour. Okay, and you want to stand in judgment. And say that, well, but this got drinking, that's enough. I need to leave. Maybe if you stayed in a place and were confronted in your gossip, you wouldn't have the, the sin of gossip anymore. Maybe if we went and found that brother and sister that was struggling with alcohol and loved them out of it and said, Brother, I don't care if it's 2 a.m. and you're drunk, I'll come get you at the bar and I'll speak life to you and tell you who God says you are and tell you you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're better than that. The power of God is more than that and the blood is enough to wash this moment away. Just come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. And the next thing you know, that brother is kicked out of the church and bound up but pursuing God. Listen, let me tell you the way of the church. You better go read 1 Corinthians and then 2 Corinthians. There's a man in the church who's having sex with his father's wife, and they have to kick him out of the church because he won't repent. But then you read in 2 Corinthians, and it says this, that the brother repented, and Paul said, you need to receive him as a brother and basically act like it never happened. He didn't say, go find a different church. He didn't say, well, you know, that brother, it's better if he now goes to another city and goes to church there. Do you know that means that the dad and the mom and him were all still sitting in the same room, worshiping Jesus? Huh? If someone would say that would make my skin crawl, I couldn't do that. It's supposed to make your skin crawl. That lets you know that your flesh is still alive and needs dying. It got real quiet. Amen. Huh? Yeah, amen. Listen, let me tell you how the Holy Spirit does it. I got betrayed in the church. By the leader, by the pastor, lied straight to my face, served the man, was a spiritual father, told me he was going to do this, told me he was going to do this, told me he was going to do this, 
uh, for someone up top. I, I love dearly at the time. Made all these promises, never did it. Went behind my back, uh, just slandered my name, all this other stuff, all these lies. Let somebody else lie and say something about me, and then let other people believe it, and it was just nasty. And let me tell you what God made me do. He made me sit in that church for another year, miserable. Why the, the person that this was all involved of became a worship leader and was up top on stage. So they're sitting there leading worship every Sunday, and I'm sitting there going, just want to leave. I just want to get out. I got no presence, no connection with the Lord Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. But the thing is, I'm not the Lord of my life, so I didn't just decide, well, I need to go somewhere else, and maybe I'll make that decision. Because something happened, I would go get along with God, and I would say, you can't believe that. And it wasn't until all of that was out of me, and I wasn't even worried about leaving, I was going to say, that all of a sudden, I was sitting in service and had a vision of the Lord showing me I could leave. By the Spirit. But guess what I did? I didn't just I didn't just leave. Okay? I then went to the pastor and submitted it to him. And said, this is what the Lord is showing me. I believe it's time to go. And you know what they did? They pulled me up in front of the church. He, you know what he did? He prayed for me, sent me out, blessed me, and then turned around and went and something bad about me again behind my back. But guess what? That's on him. Guess what's on me? I'll obey the Lord. Huh? I'm standing in the inheritance of that obedience right now. That's what you got to understand. I'm standing in the inheritance of that obedience. And what it did, man, is it gave me a revelation of the church. By what it's not supposed to be. God doesn't give us this, 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 this permission to not be one with each other when it makes us uncomfortable. He actually calls us to it. Judas is robbing him and still eats the Last Supper. Matter of fact, he takes the bite of the Lord's body and Satan enters his heart in that moment. Don't you think about that? Think about that. Go and do. Jesus gave the man the treasure. Jesus gave him the money back, knowing he was a thief, stealing from and Jesus wasn't like, yep, I want to condemn him to hell forever. And I guarantee you, Jesus wanted Judas to repent. <laughs> Jesus wanted Jezebel to repent. Did you see that? Did you catch that? God has called us to be the pillar and ground of truth in the earth. And one of the greatest truths is the mercy of Jesus Christ. The love and acceptance of God. How can we display that to the world around us when we cannot issue it to one another? We're busy fighting each other or gossiping. Or, and there's so many, I'm telling you, I know about the spirit. There's so many people listening to this right now online, and there's so many people sitting in this room right now that you've been wounded by Shebites. You've been wounded by the church. You've been hurt, but it's okay. The church is not perfect. The church is still under construction. And Jesus rejoices, as the Bible says in uh, Zechariah to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. He rejoices that we're being built. He rejoices. But he says over and over and over, you go read those letters in Revelations over and over and over again, those who endure till the end will receive the crown. Those who persevere, hold fast to what you have. Listen, it was God's design. Huh? It was God's design that we would be under construction. It was God's design. Do you know how I learned to hammer? 
Can I just see the construction? I wanted to get active with my hands. I hit my thumb a couple times. And it hurt. And I paid way more attention the next time. Why? Because it hurt. God used the suffering and the pain to teach me. It's the same way in this church, man. You'll become a better person. And listen, even if it is the devil's divisive desire, even if it is his strategy, God's so good, he takes what the devil meant for evil, and he'll use it for good. He'll use it for good. Let's be the church. Let's be the Let's not neglect the gathering together of ourselves. But man, when things get messy, let's not tuck it in. I'm telling you, I did not truly begin to, and I'm, I've not arrived by any means. There's still a whole, a whole lot I've got left to go and grow. But, uh, but man, I really accelerated in growing in Christ when I decided to put my roots down in a place. You know, you can hide and keep a facade and a mask on just on Sundays. You can hide your issues. You can doll yourself up and, you know, you can just wash it off. Show up once a week and pretend that everything's awesome in your life, and that you don't, you don't go home and, and, and get seduced. You don't go home and fall short. You don't go home and scream at your kids. You don't go home and, and do this and that. You can do that, but it's really hard to do that when we get into each other's lives. When I'm over at Jim's house and I hang out, when I show up and his dogs are barking at me, and I go, you know, and I, you know, it's real hard to hide all. It's hard to hide that, man. When you come over to my house, you, you'll find out real quick whether I, how I speak to my kids. You'll find out real quick how I treat those closest to me. Whether I'm the same person holding this microphone right now in this moment as I am sitting on my couch. But you'll never know if you're out of my life. And guess what? I will never know how mature I am until I'm put in those situations that squeeze me to see what comes out. Is it me or is it Christ? And again, I point you back to Matthew, man. I will build my church. I point you back to Paul. I write to you that you might know how to conduct yourself. Because all of this, even the betrayal of others, all of it is divine desires. Would God will that people would betray you? No, but did he in his wisdom foresee it and know that it would produce his character and nature in you? Yes, count all joy, my brethren, when you face various trials and tribulations, knowing that they produce patience, patience, perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. It's all God's grand design. We need this church. We need the church of Jesus Christ. We need each other and we need Christ. I don't need you because you're you. I need you because he lives in me. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the church. God, I know there's been some, some truth. <laughs> the pillar and ground of truth. God, we've been pruned tonight. God, there's been seeds implanted. There's, there's been meat that we're going to have to chew on and digest, Lord. But I thank you um, that by the grace of the Spirit, everything spoken 
will be found and confirmed in your word. Everything spoken, God, will be found in Genesis through Revelations, Lord. And anything not of you, God, was removed by the Spirit because this is a supernatural thing, the preaching of the word, God. It's done by the Spirit and not by the efforts of men. And so, God, I pray that it would come and produce uh, fruit in our lives, that it would draw us together, God, that we would be like David. Oh, I rejoice when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.